Warning, this week's episode contains status quo. Hello, Dave! Hello! Oh! Hello! That's better than last week, isn't it? Last yeah. week you were all like, hello. Yeah, no, I've decided to be upbeat and cheerful this week. Welcome, listener, to Sustainer Babble 51. 51. We're over the hump and on to the second half of this majestic century of Babble. This is your little environment podcast about the environment and the nonsense that's broken with it. Uh, and this week we're going to be talking... Well, we're going to be getting back to our roots because we love the environment and all the little critters and big critters that are in it. So we're going to be talking about all sorts of animals, including, in no particular order, octopus, squid, a bull, elephants, tigers and sharks. Indeed, some of which may not actually be animals. Um, oh yeah, so they're, they're metaphors. Some of them are metaphors. Yeah. Some of them are animals. Some of them are metaphors. We're clever like that. So, mm, um, we do totally work for clever. environmental charities, but these are very much our own views. So, if you have any problem with anything we are about to say, we want to hear about it, but nobody that we work for does. Yes? Okay, bye. No, that's at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Hard work this week, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, okay, let's, let's go. Oh god, hang on. <laughs> Sustainer Babble of the Week. This is the section of the show where we have a look at some of the nonsense that has been flibble flabble gobble gabbled by silly people or very respectable important people trying to sound like environmentalists but actually being nincompoops. I was going to say something very rude but I didn't. What have we got this week? Dave, who's been babbling in an unsustainable way? Well, Ol, this is the return of the frack. This is something that we haven't talked about for quite a long time, actually. We used to bang on about fracking a lot, uh, because fracking was being banged on about a lot by the government. But they've gone a wee bit quiet, I think, uh, because they've been trying to sneak in fracking under the radar rather than rub it in our faces like a great big bowl of jelly. Horrible bowl of jelly. It has emerged in the news this week that fracking doesn't mean what you thought it meant. How about that? Crikey. Well, Mm. I I mean, I thought it meant doing really quite crazy stuff to get gas and oil out of the ground. Stuff like shoving gallons and 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 gallons of water and chemicals and tons of sand into the ground and then sort of exploding it all in the hope that gas comes twiddling up to the surface without making our drinking water toxic. Yeah? Well, sometimes, but not always. What you have described is fracking A. So fracking A is doing what you just described. Fracking B is doing what you just described, but only for less than 10,000 cubic metres of fluid in total. Basically, what's happened is a loophole has emerged whereby if you're not fracking much, it is possible that you're not going to be covered by the safety regulations because the government has a cut-off. The government says if it's less than 10,000 cubic metres of fluid, uh, it's not fracking. 
that isn't fracking. It's something else. It's, you know, making a sandwich or uh, knitting a <laughs> scarf or singing yeah, or a just, nice little song. Or just flushing the loo, isn't it? Anything <laughs> under 10,000 cubic metres is just the bog <laughs> flushed out. It's just the cistern. God, are you all right? You're, you're flushing out your cistern over there. <laughs> my, I've got a mint Somebody come down the wrong Somebody get 10,000 cubic metres of fluid, quick. You never see that in casualty, do you? He needs fluids. How much? 10,000 cubic Let's metres. frack this man. <laughs> so the government has been and gone and changed the definition of fracking, or to give it its proper name, hydraulic fracturing. And when asked about this, they said, well, they said this. Where's Arabella? Hello. Hello, Dave. Arabella, what did they say? Our definition of hydraulic fracturing is... Uh, now, we're just going to stop Arabella there. Because she's halfway through the sentence, mm. but I think it's worth sort of postulating a little bit. What? How do you think that sentence might end? Our definition of hydraulic fracturing is... Good. <laughs> is the best definition we've ever seen. <laughs> Accurate. Is Complete. better than your definition. No, I think, I think it might say our definition of hydraulic fracturing is... Putting loads of stuff into the ground, exploding it, getting gas out. Yeah, or they could say our definition of hydraulic fracturing is, look, everyone knows what hydraulic fracturing is. It's fracking. You <laughs> Why know that are we thing? here? Why are we here? You know that Why thing that is fracking? Thing? Our definition of fracking is fracking. It's that yeah. fracking thing. It's fracking. Yeah. It doesn't suddenly become fracking when you've done it a bit more than you did yesterday. It's fracking. To frack or not to frack, it's fracking. Fracking frackers. Fracking frack. Well, yeah, that told him. Uh, yeah. Well, okay, let's let's. Um, I'm terribly sorry. This is the first and last time I will interrupt Arabella. I cannot begin to think of the consequences of this action. <laughs> Your name is on the list. Yeah. Uh, so let's see how uh, the government. This is the Department for Energy and Climate Change. Our chums over at Three Whitehall Place. Uh, let's see how they finish that sentence. Then Arabella. Our definition of hydraulic fracturing is. Consistent with the approach taken by the European Commission, and we are confident that the right protections are in place to ensure that it will be safe. That doesn't sound like a definition. No, our definition of hydraulic fracturing is whatever Europe says, and we reckon that whatever that is, it'll be safe. That's what they say. So, hang on a minute. I thought the government wasn't that keen on Europe. Um, well, that's not true, is it? Have you had your leaflet yet? I have had my leaflet, yeah. Mm-hmm. Snappily titled, Reasons Why Her Majesty's Government Think It's Better for Everyone and Everything If We Step... Oh, it's already gone into bin. I didn't even... Recycling, get that obviously. Far. Oh, no, I suppose... Actually, I'm not even... I haven't got mine yet. I'm not even going to recycle mine. I'm going to burn it. I'm going to burn <laughs> it and I'm going to sprinkle the ashes and into a kitten's eyeballs. And look, it's not because I don't like Europe. I like Europe as much as the next man. We had that lovely Samuel Lowe on in episode 43 talking about Europe. He, lo- he loves Europe. Uh, yeah, episode 42. He's mad for it. Talking about Europe. And we had, uh, and, and you know, staying in Europe, he says it's probably a good idea for the planet. And I, you know, who am I to disagree with him? But it is a bit miffy that the government can blame Europe whenever it's not allowed to do something like save the steel industry and then say it's doing mm. what Europe wants. Listen to episode 50 for steel industry news or doing what Europe wants about fracking, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's very much when it suits them. Um, and why are they confident that the right protections are in place? Is it because they just want that to be true? And 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 really, if they were anything other than confident, somebody might say, "Well, you've got to, you've got to kind of maybe do something about it." Sorry, my cat is just squeezing himself out of the cat flap, and it's it is 
It's quite a sight. Is that a euphemism? Oh, you are awful, but I like you. But the main point is this, right? Professor Stuart Hazeldean off of the University of Edinburgh quite reasonably points out that what you are doing is as likely to cause environmental damage if you are fracking a little bit or fracking a lot. You are bunging under the ground a great big wadge of toxic chemicals and horrible sand and gloop, right? That's Un- under enormous pressure. I mean, under that's the thing pressure. about fracking. Yeah. And so he basically points out, yes, getting uh, get the volume of oil and gas isn't really what we're worried about. This uh, The fracking chemicals expert says, I am more interested in the safety precautions appropriate to injecting high-pressure water with additives. Is fracking good? You'd think so if you were to trust a government. So what else has been going on in the world of fracking then, Oh, Well, do you remember in episode one of the previous episodes... Uh, we talked about, well, in fact, we just laughed at Tony Abbott getting sacked, episode getting a heave Yeah, our, our getting... Tony Abbott schadenfreude special, episode 23. That's right, yeah. yeah. 23A, I believe. Indeed. We had, we had the man, Dr. Carl, 23B. Anyway, we were just laughing and laughing and laughing because Tony Hi. Abbott was an awful person for the environment, probably an awful person, full stop, who knows? Mm. Um, and we thought it was very funny that he had left. And the person that had, um, well, not left, that sounds like he just got his coat and walked out the door. It's very funny that he got knifed in the back repeatedly by people who are supposed to be on his side. Metaphorically. Uh, metaphorically, yeah. Sustainable does not endorse the murder of Australian <laughs> Prime Ministers, does it all? All? Well. Does it all? 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 No. I mean, Good. were that to happen, we wouldn't endorse it. Um, and the person that um, did all the knifing or was the beneficiary of the knifing was this man, Malcolm Turnbull. And it did seem like at first he was going to be a bit more green. He certainly started talking greener language in the run up to uh, the Paris climate talks. And he's done some stuff to uh, put money towards renewables in a way that Abbott was just shutting it all down. So there were, you know, I don't think anyone was going, this guy is amazingly green. Uh, but there were people in the Australian climate movement saying, look, anything, literally anything is better than Tony Abbott. So hopes were high, but uh, he's gone and sort of screwed it all up a bit because this week um, he has been banging the fracking drum in Australia, uh, particularly in Western Australia. And it's just, it's so depressingly familiar because the arguments he's using are all the ones that get used in this country that... Look, it's not coal, therefore it's much better. You know, he's quoted as saying gas produces 50% less emissions than a coal-fired power station. Yes, that's true, but it's still shitloads of emissions, you idiot. Uh, And he was saying they have a tiny effect on the environment while producing massive amounts of energy. Now, he didn't quantify tiny, um, but if he means, well, you know, it's half as much emissions as coal... Does half of something massive make it tiny? Reasons to be cheerful. So, reasons to be cheerful. This is a section we're not historically all that good at because it's supposed to be, you know, make everyone feel nice and cheery and cuddly and go... Well, yeah, the ice caps are melting, uh, the rainforest is being chopped down, but at least a little butterfly on the Sussex Downs is doing better than last week. Uh, so this week, 
We've got some more really, really, really cheery conservation news because the tigers are back. Um, Yeah, so this is, this was generally widely reported as some good news, and I suppose it kind of is. So, the number of tigers in the wild have increased. Um, We mentioned in passing last week, whilst being flippant and glib about reasons not to be cheerful, that the Cambodian tiger had gone extinct. But in general, in the world, there are more tigers. There are now 3,800 tigers in the wild, which is up from 3,200 tigers six years previously. So that's a good thing. Yes? Yeah, it's a good thing. That is a significant number uh, more tigers, 600 more tigers. you know, it's it's good. It's going in the right direction. It's all about trends in these things, isn't it? Are things getting better or are they getting worse? Mm. But, but, mm. but, and we haven't lasted very long in our chair, have we? But they used to, how many do they used to be, Dave? This is your uh, A century ago, um, there were 100,000 tigers. 100,000 tigers and in now- the wild. Now there are 3,800. Um, that is to put it into context i spent quite a long time last night working this out actually that is uh, a line of tigers if all the tigers lined up it's about seven kilometers worth of tigers right which may sound like a lot um, but you can uh, if there's only 33 football pitches worth of tigers so you could get 114 tigers into every football pitch so 33 football pitches would contain all the world's tigers. That means if you start at Leicester City and go all the way down, by the time you get to where Brentford are, um, the finest team in the whole of football, uh, you are no longer getting eaten by tigers. And uh, the the line of tigers would connect uh, exactly one quarter of the way from my house in London to your house, also in London. Oh, man, Um, that's too depressing. Basically, basically, look, this is the thing. Look, I bloody love tigers. Who doesn't love tigers? Well, a lot of people, but we'll come to that in a minute, right? Tigers are lovely. Tigers are brilliant. And there are hardly any of them left. Most depressing statistic of all the ones I've yet given you all, there are more tigers in animal prisons in America than there are in the wild in the world. How about that? 5,000 animals, yeah. tigers in captivity in America. Um, 3,800 of them. Come within a whisker of nature's most breathtaking predator, a tiger territory, new for Easter. Uh, yeah, okay. Um, well, to be, to be relentlessly cheery for a sec, uh, the Indian government have done a lot. Uh, they have had, that's probably what the, the, the most famous country in terms of um, tigers. Yeah, yeah. And they their, their populations were just catastrophically going uh, cat. south. Cat, cat, cat meow. Uh, and in 2006, there was only 1,400 of them. Now, uh, there are 2,216, which is hmm. 57%. More. So, so that's good. And the way they've done that is by really bolstering the protections that they get and getting a lot of training going um, for the forest guards and setting up camera traps so they can actually improve the monitoring of them. Um, and other stuff like this is going on in Nepal uh, and other places. So it is, I know these numbers are small, but it's not like people aren't putting a hell of a lot of effort into making them bigger. But hang on a minute, Ol, because you just said that the number of tigers in India has gone up by 800, right? But the number of tigers in the world has gone up by 600. So that means in other countries, they're still killing tigers, like faster than they are making baby tigers. Yes? Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess so. 
and thought yeah. about that. The uh, one of the places in the world where the where, where the tiger is totally totally buggered is China, which is a place that you may not immediately associate with having tigers in it, but there are some. I mean, there's a South China tiger. There is a type of tiger that lives in China, of which there's only a hundred left. Virtually all of which are in zoos. It is basically buggered. And we talked uh, last week about the Cambodian tiger. That's gone. So a lot of places in the world there are basically no wild tigers left so what we're going to end up with is countries like india that frankly you know make a lot of money out of tourism of tigers saving the tiger and everywhere else chopping the tiger's block off so um there are lots of things we could say about this uh one of which i'd imagine is going to be um articulated in one of your famous cross 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 naughty out rants it is possible Uh, it is possible and i look forward to that very much uh but one of the things that struck me is that If we want to persuade people, for instance, in the UK to give money to people who conserve tigers, probably an awful lot of people are going to be motivated by um, the success of those efforts. So we sort of do have to go, look, it's working, it's good, it's on the, you're chucking your money after a winning horse, because for an awful lot of people, they're not motivated by doom and gloom, are they? They like the idea of backing a successful project. And so I think it is... You know, it's not our job. Clearly, it's not our job to be all nice and positive about things. But I think somebody's got to do it. I don't have a massive problem with, you know, the woofers going, look, it's working. Hurrah. First increase in tiger population for 10 years or whatever it is. Um, no, particularly it's not, not if it, particularly years, not it? if it's true. I mean, you know, it, it is a true thing. There are more tigers in the world. I'm assuming that's correct than there were before. And it, you know, it, it's right. It's fine. You know, it's, it, there are more tigers in the world. That is a good thing. But, but it's just like. What are we going to do about the bloody Chinese medicine? Or what are we going to do about that? Is this the start of your rant? Yes, it is. So go shut on, up and on, listen, right? Um, so Chinese medicine is a thing. Like, I don't want to be culturally insensitive, but I'm going to be, <laughs> right? Because it can f*** off. It really, really can. So what's happened is, as China has got more and more affluent as it's got more you know richer and richer um, and not just China you know other places as well South Korea Taiwan other places um, demand for tiger bits to go into stupid pointless medicines has skyrocketed right because they think there's a great long list of stuff they think that bits of tigers um, help cure things so they put for example tiger noses uh, they you know you rub that into your wounds uh, they get tiger eyeballs no, you don't. Well, no, you, no, you don't. In no, in no universe do you rub tiger noses into your wounds to make them better. You put a plaster on them. It's actually the exact opposite of what you do. Like generally, if you rub a tiger nose on your skin, you will get a wound. But that's not exactly uh, what's going on here. Tiger eyeballs are used to treat epilepsy, apparently. Um, tiger whiskers are used to treat toothaches. And tiger penises are used oh, in love potions. Oh god. Yes. Um and most recently try that. <laughs> Go on. Uh, why don't you try you've got a tiger in your house. Why don't you try uh using Rodney's penis um uh, in as an aphrodisiac. If I ever get close enough to Rodney's penis to use it in any way shape or form uh something he'll be dead. Actually that's the only way he'll let me close to his penis. Not that I've tried. Have you seen, have you seen, a, have you seen a male cat's penis? It's very strange. I don't want to be too graphic, but it's like a sort of little shiny pink cone. 
It's like you get those little um, chocolate things that you put on top of cakes, which are a perfect sort of eye drop kind of cone shape. It's like one of them. Shiny. Just thought I'd say. All of this stuff is about as effective, apparently, as taking an aspirin, according to this website I was looking at. And it is so monumentally stupid. It is actually possible um, that the trade in tiger parts for Chinese medicine, incredibly expensive. So it's estimated as something like one bowl of tiger cock soup is $320, right? pair of tiger eyes is $170. Right, it's massively expensive, and there are people out yeah, but there. If it, if it costs that much, it must be good. Now, I'm not saying we went. We talked to Chris Packham about this back in episode 24, not specifically about Chinese medicine, but about like tradition and things. And for God's sake, I know that there are traditions in this country that are stupid um, and result in huge amounts of pointless animal death, like eating loads of animals. Right, and I'm not. I am not saying, "Ha, oh, look at them stupid foreigners doing stupid stuff." But I do. I do just despair at it that we are going to wipe out the tigers potentially because of the trade in tiger bits to put into medicines which don't make any sense do you think that, do you think we're actually going to do it do what wipe out the tigers do you well, think that's going to no, happen is that a thing no. that's going to happen i don't think it'll happen i don't think it'll happen i think they'll get down to a stupidly no, low number and i think that it won't just be uh trade that gets them there it'll be um trading medicines that get them there it'll be you know habitat loss and climate change and stuff like that but well, we'll, we'll, when it gets to a crazily low level, there'll be a kind of outrage and, you know, we'll we'll stop it probably. But who knows? It'll never come back to what it was. Um, but also, these things are faddish, aren't they? I mean, we used to put newts, eye of newt in cauldrons to make things better, or at least that's what Shakespeare said. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, probably we just grew out of that. Maybe maybe this thing will be, stop becoming fashionable in a way that fur coats stopped becoming fashionable in the UK and then started becoming fashionable again. These things are fashions are incredibly fickle things, aren't they? So I guess we can just we can only hope that um, you know use rubbing a Rodney's penis into your nose to treat an ear infection is um, is something which will pass with time. Look, there is some good news for tigers, which is mainly that they're not elephants. That's the main good news. And specifically that they're not elephants in Cameroon. Uh, this is a thing which has made me a bit upset and oh, I can't cope with stuff because um, there's just been an enormous kind of machine gun led massacre of uh, the elephant population in Cameroon's Buba Ndija National Park, um, where literally half of the elephants have been gunned down. It's been horrible. Uh, the International Fund uh, for Animal Welfare has said that to date more than 300 elephant carcasses have been found and poachers have claimed a tally of 650, which they think is plausible. Uh, and there's only about 1,000 in the park, so at least 50% have been butchered. And it's horrible. It is really, really Horrible, and um, obviously nobody in the Cameroonian government is doing anything about it, although apparently recently, thanks to the international outcry, they started to do a bit about it. But it's, I mean, that's just brutal, isn't it? I mean, I know poaching is poaching is poaching, but come on. Oh, God. Although, although I remember a time about 10 years ago when people were saying about the African elephant, at least, that there were too many of them, that conservation efforts had been so phenomenally successful 
that there were actually too many elephants around. And this was the next problem because, you know, they were driving through lots of precious ecosystems and making big messes of it and coming into conflict with lots of humans. And, and elephants do kill humans. You know, this happens all the time. I've seen it. I once encountered somebody who had been killed by an elephant. It was very, very sad. Uh, but, um, yeah, that was only 10 years ago. So I guess my point is that conservation does have this weird tendency to sort of ebb and flow. You know, you get if you get prodigious success stories and then and it all goes to pot. So I guess what I'm saying is hopefully things will get better again. Hopefully this is an ebb and we'll have a flow. Possibly, but we saw it. Uh, we see it much closer at home, didn't we? Back in episode 44, I think it was, we were talking about beavers. Yeah, and um, there was a maturely and without any smuttiness at all. And there's been a big effort to bring beavers back. And then beavers came back. And as soon as there were more than three beavers, farmers anywhere near the beavers started saying, well, 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 that's enough beavers now. Thank you. It's all very well having a couple of beavers, but that's enough. You know, and this is, you know, this is the problem is that wherever you are in Scotland or Tanzania, um, there are so many people living everywhere and our agriculture is everywhere and our industry is everywhere. And we got so much claim on so much of the land that the elephants or the beavers or the tigers might want to go on that even if you started being really nice to them there's still going to be huge pressures and it's not all about Chinese medicine is it like you said and it's not all about um, cutting down the rainforest it's, it's about everything it's about just the fact that we are everywhere and if we do keep hold of them like in India it's going to be in these tiny little managed clumps of park and it's probably the best we're going to do which is why I suppose increasing the numbers from 3,200 tigers to 3,800 tigers is actually a reason to be cheerful at all because they're in half up against some odds Anti-in-half of the week So anti-in-half time uh, this is the section where we find an equal and opposite smeghead uh, somebody who has been really really cool or some well, not necessarily a body but a thing with loads of legs this week because it's Inky the Octopus Dave. Inky Yay! the Octopus is in Inho anti Inhof Corner. He is. Um, I love Inky the Octopus. What has happened is there is an octopus who was in fish prison in New Zealand in an aquarium and he escaped. He In the middle of the night, he got out of his tank, he slithered along the floor, he found a hole in a drain pipe, he popped into the drain pipe and he went into the sea. I think so it's good. wonderful. <laughs> it's so good. There's some really wonderful quotes in the story that uh, brought this to our attention, uh, all about the fish, 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 fish prison, fish prison, as you call it. Uh, and one of them comes from a chap called Rob Yarrell, who says, when we came in the next morning and his tank was empty, I was really surprised. <laughs> yeah, I bet you were. <laughs> I, bet you were. I bet you were, mate. There was an octopus in there last time you checked and there ain't, ain't one now. Yeah, well, he, he just gets warmed up, doesn't he? What else does he say? I don't think he was unhappy with us or lonely <laughs> yeah, as octopus are solitary creatures, particularly, mate, when you put them in a tank by themselves. Um, but he is a curious boy. He wants to know what's happening on the outside. That's his personality. Yeah, yeah. And building on that, the staff and I have been pretty sad. But then this is Inky. And he's always been a bit of a surprise octopus. <laughs> I love I love the way that you can look at an octopus and go, yeah, normal octopus, normal octopus, standard. Normal. Ooh, 
Surprise octopus. Surprise octopus. Obviously, this octopus wanted out. And you know how you can tell the octopus wanted out? Because when you left the lid of his cage open, he got out. And obviously, he was unhappy because he ran away from your stupid fish prison. So, hooray, Inky the octopus. I salute you. And I hope you are listening to the babble with your fishy friends at the bottom of the sea. Which brings us rather nicely to our second um, lovely, wonderful, heartwarming, yay, everything's going to be fine story, uh, which is all about something which smells apparently like a cross between squid and farmyard manure. And that thing is whale vomit. Oh, right. Yes. Uh, Very Mm. good. And this is a thing in it called ambergris. Ambergris? Ambergris. Ambergris. Which sounds amazing. It sounds like some sort of delicate fragrance. Or what I mean, it is, I suppose. It sounds, it sounds well, like some sort of... It sounds very delicate. I mean, no. it's definitely a fragrance. Um, or it sounds like, you know, sort of one of the things that the three wise men might have taken to the baby Jesus in a box, right? But it's whale sick. And it's phenomenally, phenomenally valuable. Yeah, who would have thought it? Uh, so this is a story about a couple called Gary and Angela Williams, who I think are now my favourite couple in the world. They were walking along Middleton Sands Beach near Morecambe Bay when, and I love that they did this, what would you do, Dave, if you could smell rotting fish? Which way would you go? Would you go towards the smell of rotting fish or away from the smell of rotting fish? Well, it depends, really. Me, personally, I go away from the rotting fish, but then again, I might not realise that the rotting fish was a source of unfathomable wealth. That's the thing. That's what's so brilliant about Gary and Angela. They you know, they put their noses to the air and went, oh, God, that smells like rotting fish. Let's find it. Because they knew that this ambergris uh, is, is, smells, A, smells like rotting fish, and B, is very, very valuable. Some people actually know this. I wonder how much ambergris I've walked past in my life on beaches going, oh, this beach stinks. And all the time I've been turning down a massive, massive payday. So they followed it. They found it. And apparently they're going to get 50K for it. Uh, This stuff trades at some enormous value per kilogram and they've got enough um, to make 50K. For what? Uh, What do you do with it? Fragrances, apparently. What? Fragrance of what? Fragrance of the inside of a cat? Well, I suppose it's not really fragrance itself. It, it actually makes perfumes last longer, or at least their scent lasts longer. So, uh, this is one of those things. How sense. do you find these things out? Yes. That, uh, do you know exactly. what I mean? It's like you've got a, you've got a, your Mr. Chanel or Coco or whatever they, or, or I suppose it's Lynx Africa for you. And you go, right, I've got Lynx Africa. How do I make this fragrance last longer? I need a, need a substance to make it last longer. I wonder if that whale vomit will do it. It how? And just just to wrap it up, I did love this. This is what they said. They said, if it is worth a lot of money, it will go a long way towards buying us a static caravan. It would be a dream come true. Well done, Gary and Andrew Williams. We salute you. So that is just about it for another Sustainable number 51 in the can. Thank you very, very much, Dave, for all your knowledge and 
ire and wrath and indignation and depression about tigers. Um, although I noticed that you sort of had made yourself cheery by the end, so that's good. And thank you, as ever, to my lovely little niece, um, the wonderful Arabella. I'm so sorry I interrupted you. Please, please don't. Please don't hold that against me. No, I'm Please. reasonably sure that once you Please. cross Arabella, you remain crossed forever. Thank you to Dickie Moore for the music that starts and ends and intertwinkles this podcast. Um, and thank you for listening. You can get in touch with us in the usual ways. Drop us an email to hello at sustainababble.fish if you wish to be a creep. Um, you can Oi, send us... Stop Stop doing that. Why? Jason, Jason hasn't been in touch since I we called him a creep. Jason, we're sorry. You're not a creep. We did greatly... Well, you, you were being a creep, but we liked it. We, we, we liked it um, you can get in contact with us at the Babble Wagon on Twitter or find us on Facebook just find Sustainababble and do leave us a good review on your favourite podcast medium of choice if you like what you heard very good right see you next week bye As they were walking have you been to Middleton Sands near Morecambe Bay where's Morecambe Bay uh, somewhere on the coast <laughs> North. <laughs> Let's assume I haven't. <laughs> okay. Uh, isn't it where all the horrible cockle deaths were? Oh, hang on. Yeah, my great aunt lives there. Yes. Right. Can we touch that you remembered? <laughs> and I'm not going to make another joke about the words I just used there.